This episode of the Council of the First Ones was recorded on May 17th, 2020. Hello and welcome to another episode of Council of the First Ones. I'm Kelly, your host, and joining me tonight is my friend Renee. Hey, I heard they opened up Texas. Slowly but surely, we're uh, opening up. I actually, uh, I can't say for the first time ever, but today I actually enjoyed going to uh, Golden Corral. Almost like a normal day for me today, so it was nice. Uh, I can't wait till I can say that. Also joining us, we have David. Hello. Great to be here as always. How's Seattle treating you? Oh, it's wonderful. You know, we're, we've, we've been getting some really nice weather here. So uh, trying to find any opportunity to get out, even if it's just for drive. Mostly just uh, staying away from the parks and hiking right now because it's it's a madhouse. It's a zoo. Everybody's uh, celebrating the fact that we can uh, get outside a bit more now. Oh, I know that. The lines just to get beach passes were ridiculous. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing in New Jersey we can pretty much do still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just opened up the beaches for Washington State. Yeah, everyone here was getting them because they officially will open on Memorial Day weekend. So we're psyched to get out of the house. There you go. We also have Sean joining us. Hi, Sean. Hi. Good to be back. Well, we heard some sad news. We were all expecting it, though. PowerCon 2020 has been canceled officially, and it's been rescheduled for September of 2021 in Anaheim. So, guys, any comments on this? It's it's sad. Again, like you said, it was expected. Unfortunately, uh, we're still kind of in uh, chaotic times, but uh, things are lightening up a bit as, you know, we, we all are kind of seeing it. I regret it. I uh, I was looking forward to seeing everybody uh, again in Anaheim. I know uh, Rex was going to be joining us. Uh, I was I was still kind of pushing David to join us. Sean, yeah. I know you you said you weren't going to join us, but we were always hopeful. But maybe next year, Sean, huh? Disneyland. No. The, the the really sad thing is this is the year that my wife, because of me being on this podcast and my buddy and I do on our other one, she's like, I think you need to be out there with your people. And so she actually was like, yeah, let's plan this. And then everything came to a halt. And then it's like, okay, like, we had to wait. What do you see, mean, you so. people? <laughs> <laughs> no, she, 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 she just knows, like, because I'm in, involved with all this stuff now, she's like, you know, she didn't realize how much I love this stuff until, like, the last year or two. And she's like, when we dated, you never talked about he And I'm like, honey, I didn't talk about half the stuff I like. I actually wanted to have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't want to get into all that yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I, it was, it was a gut punch to me because this – like she she was saying you know we don't do much for each other's birthdays we, we mostly focus on our kids we you know we try to make their birthdays special christmas special so we haven't done a whole lot for each other even since we got married and she goes this can be a combined anniversary birthday christmas present for you get you out there and have some fun with with all the he-man fans and the she-ra fans and i was walking on cloud nine for like a month and then when all that stuff happened where all of a sudden everything shut down then all of a sudden i'm like i guess 
2021's my year now. So, yeah, I was planning on going out. So, yeah, it is what it is. I, I understand why, but that geek in me and plus being cooped up in the house with two kids and my wife, it's like, yeah, I kind of wanted to be like on the other side of the country for a couple of days, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> next year, next year, I will definitely be there next year. I read heavily about the, the virus very early on. I've uh, been following this whole situation, and so I I didn't bother with uh, getting a plane ticket or hotel reservation. Uh, Renee was very kind in uh, you know uh, agreeing to pick up the my PowerCon exclusives for me and ship them to me, um, but I had no thoughts at all about going to PowerCon this year, even if. Uh, it was still held. Uh, given the situation, I still wouldn't go to it, even though I love it so much and I look forward to it. So, so not a not a but not a big yeah not a big surprise not not a surprise at all really. And uh, that it was canceled and uh, you know I I own adultcollector.org and that network of Facebook pages and groups and what I've the discussion I heard when the announcement came in really. You know, I really didn't see any surprise from the He-Man community. Mostly, there was just some discussion about uh, the details involving the exclusives and the price point. Yeah. With me, I wasn't surprised. I hadn't booked anything because it was still just too far out to book plane and all like that. I normally do it three months out. But, yeah, it is a bummer that can't go across the country and see my friends but i understand i mean i was even willing to do rise of the resistance with renee (laughs) (laughs) i even had mark said okay disney world disneyland is supposed to have avengers campus open at the same time which of course isn't happening because they stopped that construction i mean next year it's going to be a little tight because for me it's going to be the first week back to school but I'm definitely going because I'm going to need it by then. Well, see, Game for me, it that. was it was the opposite <laughs> for me because this year it was going to be the first week of school for me. And I was planning on um, – normally I drive because I do enjoy uh, driving from El Paso to L.A. I do enjoy the drive. It's actually a really pleasant for me. And I have, like, toy stores I like to stop on the way. Uh, there's two great toy stores in Phoenix I like to stop at. And then I do enjoy uh, Frank and Sons. And, again, I was looking forward to maybe uh, getting to uh, do a little bit of Disneyland. But the way it was going to work out this year, because it was uh, school was going to start, I actually had to buy plane tickets. And I hate the airports. I love flying. But I hate airports with a passion. I mean, I hate airports. I've been stopped so many times to be uh, inspected and searched that it's ridiculous. And uh, and uh, again, I I hate being paid paying for the shipping because I know like if I buy stuff, and that's why I love about PowerCon. I go there to buy stuff because I never find anything here. And so I was all looking forward to that, but. I get it. I, I saw the writing on the wall, but I was planning on flying there, being there Friday, saying hi to everybody, uh, and then taking a flight out on Sunday night to be back here. 
you know, by, you know, ready to first day of school Monday, mm -hmm. um, possibly sleeping in the class, but I was ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it just didn't turn out that way. So, yeah, next year, uh, by that time, I'll have a couple of weeks of schooling and I won't care at that point, you know. <laughs> But uh, again, it's just the unfortunate news. And I was hoping to have another Kevin Smith moment. I was hoping to maybe uh, see some artwork for the Revelation series. And, yeah. you know, I love, you know, one of the, the pleasures I have is meeting the Mattel people mm -hmm. and actually talking to them, you know, or in Cornboy, you know, me and Cornboy, bald brothers, yeah. you know, that's where <laughs> that's where I started the club. And, uh, you know, and just talking again, giving, a giving Brian a hard time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I annoy Brian to hell and it's fun. You know, you should do it. I recommend it whenever you see Brian. <laughs> well, I guess the, the main thing now, I mean, they're, they're talking about the virtual ones. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of things to cook up for that and, it, it, did I did I read it right? It, it, it's like free to anyone who wants to do it, or do you have to pay to do the virtual one? That one they haven't announced. Okay. I if they're gonna follow the trend, I really don't think they'll they'll charge for certain things. But if it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, then they've been charging because WizardCon has been doing virtual cons. Mm -hmm. San Diego did announce that they're going to have a virtual con totally free WonderCon was pretty much all free but you can could pay for one in one q q and a with someone for two minutes hmm. so yeah i'll talk to uh, karen gillian for two minutes <laughs> <laughs> i'll talk well, to two minutes too i'll pay 50 bucks to talk to scarlett johansson for two minutes <laughs> oh i'd be tongue-tied trying to talk to her Hey, remember when you were Avengers? That was awesome. That'd be the extent of my talk with her. And then she'd be like, okay, where's the next sane person that I can talk to? Uh, but, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, no. that's like 200 people yeah, before it, you it, talk it, to a sane person. She just rolls her eyes like, I know her today. Oh, God. Yeah. But no, I, I, well, no, I. As part of that, you do get a recording of what that com two minute conversation is. Oh, okay. So could that conversation be okay? Could you please repeat the following? Uh, I love <laughs> I love adultcollector.org. You should visit the page. Yes, <laughs> Henry Winkler just did it with uh, WizardCon, and that was one of them. The things that someone had him say was to congratulate the class of 2020 for this one particular school, and he recorded it. Again, I would be, I wouldn't do that route because I'd be like, okay, Scarlett Johansson, read this line. Renee is the greatest lover in the whole world. <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly where my mind went to. Like, Oscar yeah. is so sexy, you know? Just, and, and then, like, anytime my wife has a fight with me, I'd just be like, I'd play that to her and be like, uh, yeah, well, you might want to think what Black Widow thinks about me first, you know? And, yeah. yeah, but exactly. I'm sure that exactly. won't have me on the couch, you know? <laughs> Yeah. With a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that'll keep me warm at night when I'm laying there on the couch, just hear her going, John's Gavard is sexy. Like, yeah, somebody likes me. I mean, I've, I've watched the YouTube clips of the panel uh, it, over the years. So, you know, I've, I've already had that 
toe in the pool in a sense. I, I, I couldn't, at least I get to see that stuff. So it's like, all right, it's just going to gear me up again for September next year. I'm just going to be like, I'm going to be on the plane before I even get the ticket. I'm just going to be like, all right, <laughs> let's do this. It's March, Sean. Don't care. You know, like, yeah. I'm yeah. ready. Uh, well, that's part I'll of it. I mean, guy, panels are free and panels are good. That's, that's part of it. But the other part is, is actually meeting uh, somebody and having a moment to discuss talk with them Mm -hmm. and you know getting an autograph and or a picture is to me uh the big part of the comic-con experience that i'm missing you know i mean yeah uh you know talking to mick mick foster a few uh power cons ago with awesome and we interviewed her for uh the council and nerds on the couch and i can tell you she's crazy but in the good way um (laughs) You know, Chelsea Field was super nice. Uh, she was rushed. She had to leave. She was only there for a few hours. So she was trying to see as many fans as possible. But she talked to people. She was very friendly. And, you know, I had I spoke to Gary Goddard for like half an hour when the Comic-Con closed. Nice. You know, out where uh, out at the entrance of the PowerCon, I ran into him and we just had a discussion for about half an hour just talking and I was expecting him to leave and all that to say, Oh, I got to go and all that. But no, he just stood there and talked with me, you know? And I was like, wow, I'm talking to Gary Goddard, you know, and, and outside, you know, just to throw outside, you know, I mean, I spoke to Dolph Lundgren in San Antonio or he kind of admitted his opinion on the He-Man movie change, you know, he admitted, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he admitted, or sort of, he didn't, he avoided actually saying it directly, but he kind of said in the beginning that, yeah, the movie wasn't well received and people made fun of him for being He-Man. And, you know, he said that he kind of got some flack for it, that he was a little embarrassed that he did it. And then Mm -hmm. he said somewhere in the 2000s, he said that people started coming up to him and said, I really liked you as He-Man. I really liked the He-Man movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, you know, he said that people came up to him and say, oh, I saw the He-Man movie as a kid. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> and slowly but surely, he says now, and this was about 2016 when I talked to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, you know, that, that now his opinion has changed and he's he's proud that he's done that movie. Nice. He talks about that movie now a little more positive. And, and but again, that's a that's a Comic-Con experience that we're not having. Yeah. And it's and it's a shame. You know, it's a shame. Uh, I know uh, Melanie Britt, a friend of ours, was going to be there and I still owe her flowers. Uh, you know, And so that's just a Comic-Con experience that I, I regret that people won't get to enjoy. Yeah. So just knowing, hey, we got September next year. We got a date already for that. That's enough for me to go, hey, that that's the, my light at the end of the tunnel to enjoy something that I'm really excited to enjoy for the first time, especially. That's that's the main thing for me. So, and it's close enough to October that I can justify it as a birthday present, no matter what. So there's that. So. Do you think we can uh, bug <laughs> Val enough that you get Franklin Jella? That maybe we need to start bugging him. I yeah, mean, he likes close. people bugging him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is yeah. close enough to October, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what I'm going to miss, like I said, is meeting up with all the people. Yes, I do the panel, and that's good because that gives us uh, some ideas of what's coming up and all like that. But it is that interaction. Yeah. Especially I mean, 
when you're on Facebook or the forum and you're finally meeting these people that you've been talking to for all, all year? Especially like for me, you know, I'm on, I'm on this podcast. I've never seen any of you face to face. It would be the craziest thing. Be like, Renee, holy crap. Like, David, it's <laughs> it just, they're Absolutely. hugging everybody. I'm just like, you know, it's so cool to be invited to do this. And my buddy, he, the, uh, the legend, my buddy Matt on there, he, he actually was the one that already got the hotel. And he's like, Hey, tell your wife, if you do want to come out, just pay airfare. I got everything else covered. And I'm like, huh? So that's part of what it made. <laughs> and my wife was like, well, if, you know, like we can make it work or whatever in that way. And so it's like, I haven't even been in the same room with him. He's in Indiana and I'm in Pennsylvania. You know, it's like, it'd yeah. be amazing just to be like, you know, shake hands with uh, Danielle for the first time, Danielle Galerita and all these other people that I've been interacting with online. It'll, it'll be so surreal. So. Well, it is like a family reunion. I mean, when I go, I mean, me and Kelly usually meet up at the airports and then, you know, we go off and we always run into Danielle at some point. And again, it's like meeting each other again. You mm -hmm. know, Val, we kind of give each other a hard time, you know, but he's a great <laughs> guy. And, you know, Pixel Dan is awesome. I mean, everybody's awesome. I mean, uh, we give James Edock a hard time, you know, because uh, he always goes to the Filmations uh, building. And there was that time, remember, was it last year? He was at the Filmation building and we were like two blocks away from him. Not last year. It was the year before when yes. we were busy tweeting back and forth. We're only two blocks away. Come join us. Yeah. No, you don't need that annual picture in front of the Filmation building. Yeah, because he was at the Filmation building, which I'll tell you, that block is nothing. We drove by it. There's nothing there. It looks like buildings. Okay, and we were at the famous Bob's Big Boy Burger, which was two blocks away. <laughs> that was well, well, when we went to like six or seven different places and they were closed for filming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a hilarious part because I took uh, Kelly to, uh, I think it was Warner Brothers. And yeah, um, we, yeah we were going to do the Warner Brothers uh, studio tour. And we decided to have breakfast in the Burbank, Hollywood area. And on my GPS, oh. it had like six restaurants to have breakfast at. And we drove one, they're filming. We drove to another one. They're filming. They're using all these restaurants to film stuff. Oh, funny. You know? <laughs> and finally, we found like a, a little Mexican uh, you know, burrito place that was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was actually really good. And again, we had to do the Hollywood tour, which, of course, that's what you do when you're there, you know, and do the sites. But sure. uh, we kept, you know, James just keeps going to the same spots. We keep trying to do something new. Well, I, I'd imagine, it, you know, it's to him being who he is, especially with his love for filmation. It's his pilgrimage yearly to go out and check out all these special things that, you know, they they were part of his childhood and made his childhood what it was. But, yeah, like I, I uh, the most the most Comic Con that I've been to, like yearly, I would go to the Baltimore Comic Con and. Usually when I do that, I got to the point where I'm like, I'm kind of worn out because every year I know what's about to happen because it's the same things every time. The only one that it was different was I, um, my, my buddy and I got a table in Artist Alley like back in 2013 and I took down some of my artwork and stuff. And actually, um, before the convention opened, 
Pop Man, who he was the one that worked on the Eternity War uh, DC comic for He Man, mm-hmm. and when they rebooted the whole line after the miniseries, he was he was doing from issue one and stuff. He was selling He Man Skeletor and Tila prints, and because it was before the convention, he's like, "Hey, do you have a table here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I I have a table with my buddy back there." He's like, "Go get your portfolio. Let me see what you can do." I'm like. Are you kidding? And he's like, no, no, I'm serious. Bring it over. Run nice. back like I'm a kid at Christmas. And my buddy's like, why are you so excited? I go, I just got a comic professional wanting to look at my stuff. And I ran back to the table. Now, he, he took the time. He actually told a few of his friends, hey, I promised him I'd look at his stuff. Can you come back later? And he took like about 15 to 20 minutes to look over my stuff. And that was one of the greatest experiences I've had at a con because he nice. didn't have to do that. And, and, and it was great. I got all three of the He-Man Skeletor Tila prints. He went over my work and, and pointed out a couple of things I might be, you know, I need a little work on. But he also pointed out a lot of my, a lot of my strengths. And I was just there like jaw on the floor. The rest of the con <laughs> didn't go all that amazing for me. But that was the moment. I was just yeah. I was in awe. I'm like, he's working on He-Man right now. This is so cool. <laughs> Those, so, that's the stuff you can't replace. Those no, are the moments. No, you can't. Yeah. You, it, it it touched me not just as a fan of his because I do like his work, but again, it made me look at him and go like, you didn't have to do that, and you did, and you were really kind about that. I mean, I still to this day, anytime I see him post anything, I'm like, oh, that was such a good experience with that with that creator with that uh, artist. Well, okay. one thing I know that's selling really fast are the PowerCon exclusives. I know there's been some controversy about the shipping price. And actually, I looked at both PowerCon and Big Bad Toy Store that's doing it. And the prices, when you add on the PowerCon shipping, is the same at Big Bad Toy Store. I actually wound up getting my uh, exclusive $2 cheaper through Big Bad Toy Store because of, of the tax difference. And I know they're selling out very fast. Dave, I know you've been keeping track. Last time I checked, it was down to, what, 13% on Shira and 20% on the Lords of Power? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, yeah, it's it's getting down there. I'm sure give it another week or two and they'll all be gone for sure. For mm-hmm. the uh, people who had the, who bought the uh, tickets and they bought the, the products, they will be shipped to them. And partial refunds, of course you know, are going to occur. So nobody's losing out anything, you know. We're we're getting the figures. I know there was some stress over that. And I'm surprised it didn't go out quicker, but I think people are, you know, what's going on, the situation. Uh, but I do think these are worth getting, you know, just for historical value. And I think when Origins comes out, people are going to scour eBay for them. Oh, yeah. Well, look at the prices on eBay for classics now. <laughs> They're getting ridiculous. Well, yeah, you look at any of the previous PowerCon exclusives on eBay, and, uh, you know, you can you, you can see the proof that, uh, you know, the price does go up on the aftermarket uh, over time. You know, they, they are uh, very valuable. I think I'm yeah, a millionaire. <laughs> Especially if you have Castle Grayskull, you might as well figure you got about a grand right there looking at it because that is <laughs> the classics version of that and appreciate it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it went up. I am actually glad I even kept the box on that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, for for someone like me, I I don't have one, and I've been looking here and there. And there's people in groups on Facebook where they want like $600 not shipped for that. And that's an incomplete version now. And I've just found those in the last couple of months, like they're missing a couple things here or there or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not paying $600 for an incomplete anything. I just can't pull that off out of my butt, you know? Oh, so we like to, and <laughs> let me first welcome, we got Master Rex joining us. Welcome, sir. Uh-huh. Oh, hello guys. Sorry I'm late. No problem. Glad you're here. We're discussing the uh, PowerCon news, and I know you were going to join us for PowerCon, weren't you, sir? I was. Uh, I ended up uh, rolling over my tickets, but I ordered a good number of the uh, PowerCon exclusives and things. Okay, so they will be shipped to you. That's the good news. <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, I got the uh, five pack, the Shira, and some of the buttons and things like that they offered. Yeah. So, Sean, are you getting in on those? Unfortunately, I I just can't pull that off uh, right now, even with my wife saying, oh, well, well sorry, something fell over. Even with me uh, being able to go out, I already figured the exclusives were out of my grasp. So I just was happy to go out. Um, so I'll be again, I'll be that guy. I'll look through the window at the Thanksgiving dinner and see how everybody likes them when they get when they uh, receive them later this year. <laughs> well, that's what I, I liked to do about it last that. year, too. So. I mean, no, no, just to point out a positive thing. These are nice historical items, but they're not the end-all be-all to have. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this is just me being who I am. But, you know, like, now that they're going Origins, I'm like, it makes me less needing to get them now because Classics is still where I want to... I'm still... I'm still cobbling together my stuff because I wasn't along for the ride with everyone else when the line was going. So I'm still focused on that. And it's like Origins, yeah, I know that's out there. That I'll get to that at some point. But Classics is still where I'm focused. So I'm not mm-hmm. feeling the pinch of it, to be honest. There is an element of this one I would have liked probably the most, though. Because I do like that it's a different take on the typical figures versus here's Beast Man again. Here's He-Man again. You know, like this would be... Here's here's versions we never got ever, and that would be more appealing. Well, one of the great things about Origins line is is that if you hadn't been a part of uh, collecting or you wanted to get started, you can get in on the ground floor up with it. Yeah, um, and and I agree completely that that's that's definitely a, a great selling point of the line for any. I, every day there's people finding out about classics, and then they find out the price tag they're going to have to pay. And they're like, I'll wait for Origins. And I don't know because, you know, it's like, <laughs> what do you want to do? Pay your mortgage this month or buy something? You know, <laughs> like, that's kind of how it feels to be a classic fan nowadays, to be honest. Yeah, you could pay well, about 50 plus dollars for a single classics figure or get a basket full of uh, Origins figures to enjoy. Well, that's the median. Now. 50 to 60, you might as well figure for the typical figure. Not mm-hmm. counting He-Man, Skeletor, and don't even talk Scareglow or Fisto at this point, or Shadow Weaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even counting shipping. <laughs> exactly. Well, 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 sometimes you luck into a deal, but yeah, but sometimes shipping is definitely... Well, people forget, you know, I mean, when we had the subscription service, I remember uh, we started early on. It was, with shipping, it was $32 for one figure, you know, and then... Somewhere along the end, toward the end of it, it was costing me almost $48 to $52. 
for one figure to be shipped to me, mm-hmm. you know, and and there was things with shipping. Uh, again, Digital River is still my mortal enemy. I will never forget. <laughs> I never forget the horrible things. I have been a victim of Digital River uh, a couple of times. What is Digital River? Digital River was the distribution company that Mattel uh, used when they had the the Maddie Collector services. You know, because Maddie Collector didn't ship anything directly. They hired out uh, this company called Digital River, which was just a terrible, terrible. I mean, Kelly has horror stories. Oh, my I God. Have horror stories. I actually Crespo have, has yes. stories. He, he has PTSD from them. <laughs> I've actually had Toy Guru as one of his episodes on his Spectre channel to please discuss Digital River and the Screen of Doom. <laughs> See, that, yeah. oh, that, you, guys, you guys don't understand the nightmare because before the subscriptions, they would announce Merman was going to be on sale at six o'clock. And I remember because I was fortunate enough, I was online teaching, so I got to be in a computer all day. But Merman was going to be on sale at 11 o'clock my time. You had to log in to Maddie Collector and you had to pre-sign into your account. You had to keep refreshing the screen over and over and over. And then you would get the screen of death. Oh, yeah. The white screen of doom. Yeah, because it tells you that the screen, like the screen crashed, the website crashed, reload. Yeah, and, and then by the time you reload, you're SOL. Then. The yeah, figure was sold out. See, yeah. I know my students I, always knew when it was Maddie Day because it was a either they were working on their computers or watching a film. <laughs> uh, what was that? Like two years ago, NECA had their like one o'clock in the afternoon sale for the four pack of the movie accurate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they had three days leading up to, uh, to San Diego Comic-Con where they were putting those on sale. And that's the closest I've ever been to dealing with Digital River because literally I would go in there and I'd try to do that. And every day by 12.01, they were done. And I could not believe how fast that stuff was going. So I've only dealt with that. I've never, If I had to do this for an action figure line that's even more near and dear to my heart than Ninja Turtles, I think I'd probably have been suicidal at some points because it's – I couldn't have handled that. I, like – no, like it's something that how should it be this hard for me to get something that I'd like from you know that's it's like toilet paper right now like what the heck you know <laughs> seriously you know uh I've been trying myself to uh shop for a few figures from classics and I used to have all of the classic figures but now that I'm trying to repurchase them I'm, I'm seeing that yeah, the price has definitely gone up. Uh, I mean, Snake Snakeman two pack. Um, you know, and I'll say that if you look at on eBay for some of those Paraconic subsets, the price is outrageous. Uh, I feel, and I could be wrong, but I feel like since the this pandemic situation started, with everyone uh, being isolated and whatnot, that the the price has uh, gone way up on these figures, or maybe it's uh, you know, maybe I just wasn't paying attention and and they were already uh, as high as, as they are right now. One, I think people are finally appreciating this line. 
you know, it was always expensive to begin with. It was expensive since day one. Mm-hmm. And but two, I think people are finally discovering this line or coming into it and they're seeing the these beautiful figures. I mean, they were beautiful since day one. Yes, they mm-hmm. had flaws. Yes, they had issues. I mean, what doesn't? Everything always had. It's a learning process. Nobody gets it 100% right uh, since day one. Except maybe the G.I. Joe classifieds. I haven't. I'm, I want those. But <laughs> that's the one I'm looking for now. But, I mean, I always admired these figures. And, yes, you know, I did have, in the beginning, loose joints. There was... A uh, little bit of pain applications. The first He-Man had like too much of a red face, um, but they fixed them. They they always kept tweaking them. And Toy Guru always said that it was a work in progress, but it was a groundbreaking toy line. And yeah, you know, I mean, they're not coming back. I mean, I honestly don't think Mattel actually has any interest in bringing classic figures back. And so you either wait for Origins or you get a bank loan and start to start collecting these. Yeah, that, for for me being so late into the line, I was on eBay getting the first few that I wanted to get. And the first couple I found, I, I wanted a Skeletor and I wanted a He-Man because I can't start the line without the main guys. That's just how I am. And both of those, a piece, not including shipping, were $100. And so I, I, I don't even flinch when I see those prices, but I do see Fisto. He's going for some crazy prices, like two twenty-five, two fifty. Um, yeah, I mean that's pretty nuts. And and uh, I know Shadow Weaver's probably over three hundred dollars. And like I said, Castle Grayskull. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm SOL there because you know, like when the beginning when it first came out, it, it was what two hundred bucks I think two fifty, and yeah, now you're two fifty plus shipping. Yeah, and now now you're you're looking between six hundred to a thousand or more for that, and I I don't feel it's changed too much since I've been collecting it. That's just me because I'll, I'll go on eBay couple times a week just out of curiosity and stuff but i i think that there is a little more of a ramp up with some of those numbers than like even a he-man mint on card he's going for like 125 150 now compared to other figures so well right now which ones are you guys looking for because i I have everything you know i'm technically good but it's a i'm off (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what is it that you guys who are still searching? What is what is your grail right now? Oh, I have a sh- shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I actually I saw your that one. Um, but uh, my my grail because you know why I, I got all these figures and there's no Grayskull and, and it's like I don't even need Snake Mountain if I don't have Grayskull. That's the way I look at it. I need it's the cart before the horse to me. Way like when I was a kid, I had Grayskull. Never had Snake Mountain. Didn't matter. Grayskull to me is like, if I got that, I'd almost be like, flag on top of the hill I'm for quite a while, <laughs> at least. Um, I, I can't think of any figure itself that I'm like, oh, I have to have this guy or that guy anymore, to be honest. I've kind of filled a lot of holes in my collection mm-hmm. lately. Um, yeah. Well, David, well, which one was? I didn't look at your list. What is it you're looking for? Well, if you had to pick one. I would say maybe Snake Men 2-Pack right now is the tricky one. Because, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing them, any of them being sold on eBay for a fair price. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the hunt. And those came pretty, I remember they came and they left really mm-hmm. quick. 
I yeah. mean, uh, now I feel you bad. Know, yeah, back in the Mattel days, you know, they, they did have some leftovers. They did have leftover stock if you weren't a subscriber. Mm-hmm. And this was the epic battle between the collectors and the cherry pickers. You yeah, know, yeah. Cherry, cherry pickers became a bad word. The cherry pickers complained and complained because um, they, Mattel, they say, hey, we would have some leftover yeah. stock or we're going to have some extras on Maddie Collector that you can buy. Mm-hmm. But on the day of the sales, within five minutes, they're gone. Right, exactly. And I remember the two packs. I got four uh, statement two packs. Yeah. Nice. Well, I wanted an army of statement. Like, I have an army of horde uh, robots and a horde of the little mini robots for Skeletor. So. There you go. Yeah, I hate to yeah. say, too, but I got an extra set of snakemen that um, I liked it because you can mix and match their armor. Mm-hmm. You know, and mix and match their weapons, and it was they're really versatile. Yeah, and the so, yellow yeah. snake man, he, the yellow snake man, and that was a, a grail of mine up until I think last year, and then I managed to get him in a trade. Um, the orange one, I was like, eh, but the yellow one, there's something about him that is awesome. The, the look and the armor and everything, it just it pops. Mm-hmm. But and it sucked too when talking to Toy Guru because then Scott said. They were going to do another two-pack. Oh, yeah. Oh, it hurt. He was going (laughs) to... It was on the list. They were going to do a different colored two-pack with different armor and different weapons. And I was like, oh, it hurt. It hurt. Well, there's a lot of stuff in those videos. And even when we interviewed him, it it hurt just knowing... Like, he was was like, oh, we were going to do 2000X right after we did Filmation. I'm just sitting there like... (laughs) <laughs> you had to leave when you left like seriously right. i want to buzz yeah. off with the insect like body i don't I, the other buzz off's fine but i don't i want that one i want the trap jaw with the the steampunk look going on and all that like where's this stuff come on i wanted the articulated cringer sure yes, i'd push for that for years oh my god i still and, i still want you two leave friends and- at him yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, you left, you left, there's still good stuff waiting in the pipeline. And so. your new goddess figure uh, with non-exploding crotch. Oh, yeah. Oh, a glow-in-the-dark goddess, that's what he wanted to do, and I'm like, oh. See, Rex right <laughs> oh, yeah. now is showing us the... <laughs> See, that's the ones where I thought it was ridiculous. Rex is showing us the 2000X Samurai. Yeah. Figures. Classic version. Classic version. Cl- both of them. I know They're the customers. four horsemen would have done something cool with that, but when I got them as as when the line came out, I I did have those, and I was like, okay, this is too much. Even though I did like the episode, the Atwan Gar episode was one of my favorites from the 2000X series. Yeah. And then I kept thinking, what would a samurai beastman look? Because remember, he had the stones, but he forgot the words. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, my favorite uh, Skeletor variant in the 2000X line was the. I, I mean, I'm trying to find look up his name. The Ninja Skeletor with the four uh, extra arms. Oh, cyber, like cyber mecha armor. Yeah, uh, mecha. or tech armor Skeletor. Mm, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, he was easily the most badass. Oh, was it the Snake Man one? No, it was the one where it looked like he was some cyber ninja guy with extra limbs, like Doctor uh, Dr. Octopus limbs, or or rather the one the limbs that you would see on that uh, armored Spider-Man 
variant. Hmm. I'll, I'll I don't it. remember. Though. Yeah. See, uh, me and and Scott outside of the show, we kind of had a little discussion because this was the route, and I had to say I don't know if it would have worked or not because like, some people didn't like the 2000X. I like the Wolf Armor. It had creativity. I, I will say 100%. It had creativity. I did like the uh, the Wolf Armor was cool. And Skeletor had like a bad armor, didn't he? There was a counter. Mm-hmm. I don't remember and, what that was. Yeah. It almost scared off. I think it was a bad off. Okay, David is showing us. Yeah, it was a Snake Man. That was the one I was thinking of. It was like a snake armor. Oh, I thought you were talking about the one where he has long like snake arms. Uh, no, Mecha Blade Skeletor. I, f- I feel it's it's just a really cool design. Yeah, and they had really cool ones. Like they had that Dark Shadow He-Man one with like a black armor uh, with gold that mm-hmm. I thought was a cool design. And then uh, the the He-Man with the Dragon Rider with the Dragon Walker, and he had tattoos on him. Right. And, and the Jungle I... He-Man I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. I I really also liked uh, Ice Armor Skeletor. Yeah, another fantastic design. And the uh, the recolor of Trap Jaws, the, the green one. There were some cool variant uh, color schemes in there. Which I get. Mattel could have done, but sadly I have to I have to think the line was, was kinda going downhill anyway. Because you could only do so much before you reinvent. And this is what Transformers and Ninja Turtles does right. That I feel like other toy lines, like Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, sorry. They haven't done quite right. They keep reinventing themselves. You know, and sometimes it's hit. Sometimes it's missed. Right now, Transformers is fine. Their Cyberverse line, Earthrise line is top notch. I don't know if you've seen them. But mm-hmm. they look like the the vintage. They look awesome. They are amazing. They're yeah. they are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and Ninja Turtles right now they have these toy lines which I think died. I think their toy line in the Kitty Fight cartoon series died, but the toy line before that was a raging success, and they got every figure they've ever made into that toy line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had Bebop and Rocksteady to kind of come in a little bit late. And everybody was like, oh, look, they have redesigns. Mm-hmm. And then further down the line, they did them in the 80s style. Yeah. Well, that cartoon is, it, it was an amazing cartoon. And so, like, anytime they would do something on the cartoon, and then I'd see, like, the Mystic Turtles, for instance, when they had that one. Uh, there was a part in the one season where they were all off training and kind of learning what it was to be a ninja again and all that. And then you had the figures like, I have to get these. This is awesome because it makes me think of that part of the episode, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I I love that cartoon and that line. I, I love the Turtles in Space season. They had like a whole season. They were in Turtles in Space. And I thought their yeah. costumes and all that. I did get those. I do have some figures. I didn't collect hmm. everything. I thought it was cool, and they did variants. They had shredder. They had an original shredder that was basic. They had a metallic one. They had one that you could take off the helmet and see what yeah. he looked like. They had ones that had extending claws. They had Ninja Turtles like up to Ying Yang with Ninja Turtles, yeah. and that line worked. And I always thought, yeah, you could do that with He Man. And I think they're following it with Origins. I think Origins has kind of co-followed that line. We are going to see 
He-Man, basic <laughs> He-Man. We are going to see battle armor He-Man and all the ones we like. But I do think eventually they're going to add maybe samurai armor He-Man. I will bet you money. If it lasts long enough, we'll see samurai <laughs> armor He-Man. Disco Skeletor can still go to hell. But I love this <laughs> Make this because I love you so much. Oh, you don't he, know he how much his, hate that guy. <laughs> he he's got probably the most love out of that multiverse thing than any other time he's ever been brought up. I think. After fifty-two seasons, sorry. Wait, you, you said sorry. fifty-two. It's fifty-two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fifty-two seasons. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Don't make me feel older than I feel half the time, please. <laughs> it beat the Simpsons. <laughs> it did. <laughs> well, after 52 episodes, Shira and the Princesses of Power came to the series and on Netflix. How do I put this gently? Part of the season five was really good, but I really hate that ending that they came up with. <laughs> Well, first of all, let me throw out the spoiler flag. Okay, we're going to discuss spoilers here. I mean, based, I mean, I don't know about you, but between the season four finale and the first episode of season five, I was lost. Like, how did Horde Prime get Glimmer? Well, they they had that. That's I was a little bit different. I I thought they had a great build up. You know, I mean the the season four finale ended with Glimmer getting captured, right? And and Lord Prime coming in. Yeah, and then um, Shira broke the sword. Right. And we had a low moment, which I thought, okay, this is good. This is what we needed to see. Because honestly, that last season, season four, felt kind of dragged out to me. A yeah, but it was watchable. I, I did watch it, and but yeah, it felt like it was dragging a bit. And I thought, okay, this is good. So, And then they announced that this season five is the last one. And so I expected answers to a lot of questions. I expected things to get resolved. And I thought they had a great buildup. You know, that they're surviving. They're getting by. Adora is struggling with who she is. And prisoners, you know, Catra is up there with Glimmer. Bonds, friendships have to be evaluated. And, um, you know, going into it, I was expecting some deaths. I was expecting the stakes to be a little harsher. I know we lost Queen Angela, but they always left that kind of a question mark. And I kept thinking, okay, how are we going to deal with that? And, And then overall... Somewhere toward the last two episodes, I was like, they're letting me down. Yes. It felt like she was just rushing. Noel Stevenson just felt like she was just rushing. Well, um, just just my two cents. There's There were more than a few episodes in the entire length of the show, all, all the season, where they take these one-off episodes to do something that might, like the, the old school fans would probably go, why are we doing this? Like Princess Prom for starters, or in this one, the Pika Blue episode and stuff like that. There's like, why are we taking time out of the momentum that they're building towards this finale to do some of these things in, in that way? And like, I, anytime somebody's posted anything since Friday, my only response usually is, I have questions. 
And the reason I do that is because there's a lot of stuff that they did as little carrots for us as fans that I'm looking at going, I'm never going to know what that means. And it's like that was why I was watching this. I was watching it to find how are they creatively going to handle this? Like, okay, the password's Eternia. Doesn't mean a thing, though, other than it's a password. Why is she saying for the honor of Grayskull other than the the original Shira said it doesn't mean a thing here? Well, then why would she even be calling upon that? You know, like why it, it, that made it turn into be named, you know, like Amazon warrior and the princesses with jewels or something, you know, like it, it, there, it just, there was something like you have to have that connection somehow to the source material that that would have made us as fans go, Hey, that's great. You know, this, this is, this is, it's working for me on that level. And I felt like everything that they had is those little hints. There's no answers to why that connection's there. And they just went full force into this finale. Well, it did. Let's, let's just point it out here. They had nothing to do with Grayskull. No, absolutely nothing. nothing. They had nothing to do with Eternia. They said, you're right. They said it, but at the end, nothing. Yeah. And, and their big thing about the first, well, we never got further than just saying first one's tech. The first ones did this. And it's like, give me an episode that really gets into the meat of that. Even one where it goes, here's what this means. And here's why this is a big thing for Adora to be a first one. Here's what it means for her to say for the honor of Grayskull. And the other thing that really bugged me, the thing that, and I brought it up on the show when we first got the new group of the council, the first ones together, is we have a new She-Ra in this season. So now she's full-blown Amazonian goddess She-Ra, not, not biker shorts. And I like that. I like the look of her so much better. But where the hell is the I am She-Ra moment? Because all I kept thinking was this final season is going to be her finally saying I am She-Ra now because she's not afraid and she figured it out. And it's like, no, we don't even get that. You know, like that was shocking to me. Like the minute that she turned into the new one on episode four of the final season, I'm like, say it. And all she does is for the honor grace one, boom, she's just this new she And I'm like, okay. So like, I was impressed by the design and impressed that that happened. But then I'm just like, but you didn't do the whole thing still. What, what is this about? You know? And two, we still don't even know her birth origins. Yeah. Yeah. They just said you're a first one. Well, so what? First one, and that you came through a portal with Hordak. Yeah, and they referenced that in the final two, and that was it. And it's like, that would have been nice to at least have some detail to that then. Like, what does that mean? Where is she from? No, we won't know. And uh, throughout this whole thing, I kept thinking, where's Madame Raz? She was was kind of important. They kind of hinted at her. She had a a good episode last season. We kind of figured she's important. We kind of figured she's important. She comes out for like two seconds this season at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And but again, I'm like, okay, so who's Adora? Who are her parents? Is she related to Mara? We don't know. Is she, yeah. What's what's up? She came in with Hordak, but yeah, but what about it? Mm-hmm. No, I, she didn't I like really feel rushed. Yeah. Yeah. And they they said they had this planned out from the beginning, so that makes me just go like. If you had this planned out, how is it you didn't answer some of these little name drops that have been all throughout this series that old school fans would have loved to know? And that makes me almost feel like she didn't want to give it to us out of the I I don't want to say she's spiteful, but I feel like 
there is this feeling of her versus us as fans because she wanted her own show like this in that way. Like this is her, her show versus what we had. And the fans were so, but we love filmation. She's like, but I'm doing my own thing and that's this, you know, or whatever. But it's like, then don't put those elements in that make us go, well, what's this going to mean? And then it means nothing. It, It felt like watching the final season of lost. I was sitting there going, Half of these mysteries are unexplored. (laughs) One of the things that I've uh, connected with on Facebook has mentioned this about the show. In light of what you just said, I want to share this. They mentioned that part of the reason they think the show was canceled was exactly that. She wanted to do her own show. Netflix wanted it to be more, and Mattel wanted it to be more uh, along the lines of something more familiar to the fans. And she kind of didn't want to do that so apparently they could have just named the show anything else and had all the characters different names and it would have been a great show but because they wanted it to be a Shira show it just it didn't line up well i could see that being the case i can't but like as we we had that power con where we had the the writers remember they had no yep. stevenson and they had all the writers there and one thing i that always irked me they didn't take questions. No. No. Even they when didn't. you were online to get the autograph, they wouldn't answer any questions. Because I, I figured later they couldn't stand up to scrutiny. You know, I mean, I would have gone up there after, the, you know, I'm kind of glad they didn't show up or they would not have shown up this this year at PowerCon because we all would have gotten in line and told them what awful writers they are. Because. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was no buildup, and I got to point out, okay, okay, what was the end? The end result was that in order to stop Hordak, who was going to destroy the entire universe, including himself, and at first he kind of talked about that he was going to wipe everything and he was going to start the universe, and then at some point it started saying that he was going to wipe everything. Somewhere between there, he turned suicidal. And he was like, oh, I'm going to destroy everything. And it just stopped with a switch that was there the whole damn time. You didn't earn it. You didn't fight for it. There was no battle for it. It was just a thing. And, oh, here's the thing. Let's plug it in. Switches off. It's over. What? Was that it? Did I miss anything? No. No. And the other thing about this scene. Her thought process, the way that ending, right? there was written it's kind of like okay i'm suicidal i'm going to kill the show why not just blow everything to hell and back and then it's like oh what's the point uh just flip the switch we're done you know our, i'm gonna address the elephant in the room we have that shira or again adora declares her love for catra i have no problem with i'm perfectly okay with that and i want to make it clear for on the record i was perfectly okay with that i have no issues with that whatsoever but they make it in that world that that was the key trigger to getting Shira back. But Shira and Adora is in this world where that's perfectly fine and acceptable. You know, same-sex couples in Etheria in that world are perfectly fine and accepted. What's the big deal? Well, Shira never wanted to accept herself for being Shira, let alone any other identities that she may be under i.e. lesbian, so she just kind of was in denial about everything. Yeah, but you're in a world where that's perfectly fine and acceptable. I mean, maybe she was uh, she hated herself. She didn't want to admit that part of herself to herself. And Which we never saw 
any reference of, and the show made it clear that in that world, it is perfectly acceptable to be who you are. You know, they, they went out of their way to show that Etheria is a diverse universe. It's a diverse world where same-sex couples, transgender people are perfectly accepted and they're recognized as equals. Well, I'm getting myself. I understand the implications of that in the community where you don't feel like you can accept yourself. You can't come out. You can't tell your parents, your friends, whatnot, because you're going to suffer backlash. Uh, someone's going to beat you or something terrible but could happen. On you know, you so maybe on the show, they're trying to reflect here in that one aspect of she was too afraid to come out for whatever fear she had built up in her mind, whatever she wanted to hide that part of herself away and they had to have a character to do that and they figured they used their title or character for that struggle to reflect but that i i didn't look at it quite like that i saw it just from the perspective of basically something changed adora that made her look differently at catra where catra is now the enemy where they were together for all that time growing up and being trained by the horde so that was the rift there and that was the whole thing of that was a missing piece of her and Catridge just kept pushing everyone away throughout the entire series, which we've seen uh, like last season was the big one where she was pushing everybody, including Scorpio away and all that stuff. And to have that finally, like Catra can be okay with her and Adora can be okay with her. And they finally came to that resolution. And I'm, I'm of the same men mentality. I didn't care that that happened. That wasn't even my argument with the, the finale of, Okay, they kiss and they're a thing, I guess. Fine. To me, it was it boiled down to, well, what about the other crap? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but, but, you know, that was me as a fan looking at, well, this fan service is here, but the fan service is basically there to just say, hey, look, we were, we mentioned Eternia. Thanks. <laughs> but I, I don't know. That's the way I viewed it, at least with her and Katra, that it wasn't an issue of her being attracted to Catra or Catra being attracted to her. It was her getting the sword changed her and her path. And that made Catra lash out harder because she wanted Adora still in her life, but couldn't have her then. And that's the whole thing. It wasn't necessarily like, uh, Oh, we can't be together because they won't accept who we are or whatever and all that kind of stuff. And to be honest, this was written in a way where Catra flirted. So like, Hey, Adora, she always did that. So there's this like, is she, is she not attract? What, like, what's that? And then when you finally got to the point, I'm like, saw it coming, but it's nice to know I was right. You know, <laughs> like I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I thought it was there. And that's where it threw me off because the the finale was basically okay. Shira needs to hold this circuitry thing in her chest. Let's call it a switch, a key. Yeah. She has this key, okay, because she got poisoned. This key needs to go to the thing that's going to destroy the universe to turn it off. It's an off switch. She goes to the off switch. I would have been perfectly okay that if she's going to die, they admit their love and all that. But then at the end, one, Hordak was going to kill himself and the entire universe, and the power just switched off, and that's it. How about an epic battle? Yeah. How about a fight? How about Shiva and Katra team up together and to show like together we can defeat hordak no it wasn't even a fight hordak she just touches his forehead and boom he's gone and yeah. the rest of the clones are there and 
I'm like, really? That's that's the end of it? Really? That's that's. Let's reverse that. Okay, let let's let's reverse that. Let's just make it out to He-Man. Let's say instead of He-Man having his epic showdown with Skeletor, Skeletor's about to rip Eternia. There's no battle. He-Man just puts his harness, turns off the switch, and that's it. We all go home. We yeah. okay with that? Well, that's that's the thing. Like it, this show, it was they have battles, but I never ever viewed it as they had these epic climactic fights. Everything about the epic climactic stuff usually came from the characters coming to either a bad decision or a realization. Most of the time in, in some of the, like, I know we had the end battle in the first season and all that stuff, but even that I, I watched it and I'm like, okay, like this, this was not the show to watch if you wanted to watch like a big battle sequence, to be honest. So it played on, it played on that, but yeah, for a show, you got five seasons, however many episodes that is. And to not have to, to go to Endgame, for instance, to not have the moment where, where Cap finally says Avengers assemble and everybody goes headlong into this final fight. Yeah, it, it really it was a lackluster finale in that way, because you had moments, but it's like you have these disparate moments of, OK, some of the rebellion is doing this. she and Catra are doing this. Bo and Glimmer, you know, it's like everything was all over the place and there wasn't this final everybody got to confront this resolution because it was, it was needed or it went to that point. It, 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 it wasn't a, uh, not, but it didn't get there, you know, and it wasn't earned. that way. Yeah. To me, that finale, that switch, they could have got it in season one. Yeah. It wasn't rewarded. Yeah. It wasn't an achievement. It was there waiting for them the whole time. You know, they didn't need to go through this whole thing. The hero, which I've spoken before about the hero's journey. And that's what I wanted to see Shira do. I wanted to see Shira become accepting of herself. Like, like we discussed that she was going to reach her potential that she always held back. Mm-hmm. And here, well, why do we bother having swords and weapons and all? Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, why? And to me, the horde was the other disappointing thing. It was just a bunch of white robots, horde clones, Really? You couldn't do Modulock? You couldn't do Multibot? You you couldn't bring Grizzlor? You couldn't bring the other cool bad guys that we like? You you couldn't be bothered with that? I guess there was a leech, but he was like a lizard guy. Yeah. And even then, was... we didn't we didn't see any of them that last season. Yeah, they had literally a second of footage, a second of mo- of time there in that one moment. Which tells me again, Noel Stevenson didn't even bother looking at the mythos. I think Noel Stevenson wanted to do her own thing. They gave her a check to do Shira, and she turned Shira into her own thing that she wanted to do, and she didn't give two Fs <laughs> about what Shira was about mm-hmm. or what this was going to be. She wanted to do. She could have done like Amazon Princess series for Netflix, and it would have been exactly like this. Yeah. I mean, the, the Horde villain was the most boring villain in the entire world. Well, that, that was the other thing to me about, like, okay, we switched gears from season four to season five, where now all of a sudden we have Horde Prime as the big bad. But up until that point, Hordak was the villain up until season four. So, you know, like, it, it's almost like, to me, it, that was the equivalent of you, you have Avengers Endgame, you want to see Thanos finally pay for what he did in Infinity War, with all the Avengers finally get able to, to get together. And then all of a sudden Galactus shows. 
And then you're like, what the crap? Now we got a bigger problem than the guy that we originally were supposed to go up against. And that's kind of why the the finale to me was also like, okay, because like I wanted to see her go head to head with Hordak. I didn't need her to see. I didn't need to see the Horde Prime stuff even in this show. I didn't feel that was necessarily needed. I thought Hordak worked well for a villain up to, you know, the whole thing. And that was way more story than they needed to tell to bring Horde Prime into it. Well, you have, you know, with Star Wars, you had uh, Darth Vader. And then it's, oh, but there's somebody even more powerful. It's it's uh, the Emperor. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, there, there's that aspect to it. But did we get that? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that was my point. Horde Prime, at first, and again, they had a good buildup. He looked more intimidating. He looked more dangerous. I thought it was brilliant that he was doing mind control to people on the planet. And here's the other big plot hole I keep thinking. Because to him, he was going to destroy the whole universe. He said it. You know, at some point, he said in the beginning, I'm going to reshape the universe my way. And then toward the end, he was like, I'm going to wipe the universe with me included. And I kept thinking, okay, where did you get suicidal? Because he didn't strike me as a suicidal guy. And then I, I was like, okay, how about you getting that power, absorbing it, becoming super Horde Prime? And we would have had a nice sword battle because why the hell do we have swords in this show? <laughs> because we have why to say for the honor they look of shiny and pretty. And again, here's the other plot hole I keep thinking. If you're mind controlling, you know, the entire planet, which he mostly had, you know, I was like, how is any holding all these people hostage for Shira? Like show up on the big projectors, go, hey, Shira, come over here. I'm going to kill you. Or, hey, you don't think I'm serious? Snap my fingers. I just killed four villagers. I told them to get swords and stab themselves. Hey, look, here's the two princesses I have. Watch them kill each other. It's well, kind it's of a like children's it. show. That's but what it kind of like. wasn't. It was, <laughs> but it kind of wasn't. You know, the stakes were high, but it just, like, really, you know, I mean, we could say children's show, but at the other hand, it wasn't. Uh, teenager show, let's, let's yeah. say that. Yeah. Young adult. Young so adult, even yeah. as a teenager show, what you described. Okay, know. let's just say not kill <laughs> each other, but let's just say they were going to drown each other or... They had, or again, he had like ways where he could control them from stop breathing. Oh, there was and, that. And uh, I would show them and tell Shira, hey, Shira, turn yourself in or I'm going to choke these people. Wasn't there a, a part where uh, Katra was under control of uh, the, the control of uh, Horde Prime and she like dove off of the the side of the ledge or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Now yeah. do that on a planetary scale. And you manipulate it, and you could win the day. And like I said, I honestly feel that I think I think Rex is right. Noel Stevenson just gave up. And two, I don't think she gave up uh, to do another show. I think they wrote themselves into a corner. I think they kind of said, "Oh, we have a plan," but I don't think the plan worked. No, I don't I think, think they they hammered out like the finale. Well, I think Mattel and two Master Universe shows are coming out. They saw what she was doing with this, and they're like, you're running into the ground. Uh, we're going to give you more seeds stuff. You're done. And that's kind of, she was like, whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought, it, well, 
Well, you know, I just want to point out that this is the fifth season. So, you know, it had a good run, five seasons. Yeah. And uh, it, it was very popular. I'm sure the numbers would support that. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. Like, I, I've been curious about uh, reactions to it because I know in the fan community, there's a love-hate relationship with it. Like, I, when I was seeing your post, Renee, I was laughing, going like, oh, we're going to have this weekend, apparently. But there's people who love it. There's people who thought this was this was great and they were very impressed and it, it maybe brought them to the attention that, hey, there's this character, Shira, and there's, there's you know, Ethereum and all this stuff. So it's almost like, okay, it did do a good job in certain respects to get another generation seeing this brand and seeing this story. But then on the other side of the coin for people who are fans since we were kids like us, there's that, but in this case, it really isn't our Shira for so many reasons. And so like you're bringing these people in and it's almost like a, I don't want to call it a con job, but it's almost like a switch and bait or something. It's like, you can like that Shira maybe if you like it, but Hey, guess what? This other version of Shira that filmation did, that's the one that actually counts because it's connected to everything else in a way that, that this one, it was limited. It was like you said, painted into the corner in a sense because of how, they couldn't access the canon. They couldn't access the mythology otherwise. With the final missing battle, that's the only way I can put it. Because like you, Renee, I was looking for that final battle. Don't just tell me, oh, yeah, love conquers all. That is a lovely message. That's what I got with Adora and Catra. But I still wanted that fight. That was missing. and just. Turning off a switch? Uh-uh. Not everything works that way. There were great times when a door faced off right in front of everyone with Ford Prime. I wanted to see that battle. The arguments were building up to it. It was like, okay, they're cutting it off. We have to just wrap it up. So there is a lot of unanswered questions as far as Adora Catra. All right, I can deal with it. It is a multiverse now, but they never did explain the difference between the two Shira because she did come out with a brand new look and she should have been saying, I am Shira. That was the Avengers Assemble of this universe. That didn't happen. I can see the clones. Okay, those represented the Horde Troopers robots from the filmation. Fine. But having even Hordak wasn't even fighting really too much with Horde Prime. I know he was a clone in this version. And in the Filmation version, he was the younger brother of Horde Prime. But he was scared of Horde Prime. And we finally have Hordak and Horde Prime in the same room. And there's no spark, no tension except for one little scene when Ford Prime needed to see a past version of himself. And I was waiting, okay, I could feel the tension building, and they dropped the ball. The last two episodes, I'm sorry, was too rushed. Maybe they should have cut the space adventure apart a little bit, where they could have merged when they found the star siblings, which in season one they referred to as star sisters. And merged that when they found Claudine 
or I think they called it Meowth. Yeah, it's supposed to be Claudine, but it wasn't. Right. Those two episodes could have been merged easily to give us more for the finale. It was almost like she found out, oh, we're, we're canceling it and just wanted to wrap it up. Where the newer group who this is their only exposure, they're not going to be looking for the little details. They don't know the backstory. And you're giving us little glimpses here and there where it should be connecting into the bigger universe. And it just didn't seem right. I mean, I like that they brought in the Star Sisters slash siblings, but even in Filmation, they were in one episode and had one quick cameo. You didn't need to have a whole episode of them because I thought that was a little wasted. I like that they hinted at Pika Blue and her powers. Okay, that was nice. I know some of you didn't like really get that episode, but that episode was just showing how Horde Prime was slowly taking over the different parts of Etheria and what was going on while we had everyone in space. That's what I took from that. That episode, Claudine and the Star Sisters could have been merged into one episode to give us more time to answer these questions. I did love out of the season finale that both Catra and Adora, mostly Catra, really saw that Shadow Weaver was more of a mother figure and that Shadow Weaver actually accepted that and put her life to protect Adora and Catra. That I always expected in the filmation. So I got that closure here. But like I said, it left too many questions and they sort of left it like, okay, what else? We'll go back out in space. Well, why do you want to go back out to space? Why do you want to go on another adventure? If this is over, it was almost like they weren't sure if this was going to be the final season or if possibly it would be picked up again. But figuring in 18 months to release 52 episodes, I mean, I did listen to the one podcast that Nicole Stevens was on that originally this was supposed to be two seasons, two 26 episode seasons that they broke up and claimed five seasons for. And that this was the story that she wanted to tell of her Shira. But too many unanswered questions. And I know on Facebook, I was, I saw it earlier today, someone had made this one image of Hemian slapping his face and classic Shira stabbing Super 7's Netflix Shira saying, we will never speak of this again. I will not bring up the 87 movie or when you went into space, as long as you don't bring this up about me. That pretty much summed up the our generation with this uh, version of Shira, I thought. Which I agree with you 100% on that. You know, it just, <laughs> I called it an epic fail. What do you guys think? Epic fail. I don't know if I'd call it an epic fail from my perspective, because like I said, the name is out there at least. And up until this this cartoon was being launched, He-Man, She-Ra, those were names that they weren't uttered a lot out there. So I, I don't know if I'd call it an epic fail, but I feel bad for the people that like this and then they don't realize what this was generated from, you know, in that way. So in that way, it'll be an epic fail for anybody who goes to the source material and they're like, oh, crap, there's like a whole different thing going on. 
But I do feel like this is her new adventure. I guess that's the, the best way I can describe adventures for Shira. Well, at least season five, we could definitely say was the new adventures. Yeah, and and to I mean honest, they came five. they came close with even Primus yeah. sounding so close to Primus, and we have Mira. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you still haven't explained that. They, they didn't explain that. Explain they oh. they didn't even explain how how Raz could see multiple timelines. That was a whole episode, and they didn't even get into what that was all about. It's just, hey, that was a story device for that episode. And then when we see her later, she's just sweeping up, and I knew you could do it. And that's the end of it. It's like, okay, there was – I liked her character. I wanted more of her. I thought she was more important. Oh, I definitely. thought she was going to be a key figure in the series. No, nothing. No, but they and, made her key in the beginning, though. That, and, yeah. then, and then they, they completely hey. pulled the rug out from her from under the fans expecting stuff. And it's the Ryan Johnson thing. I can't fight you there. Honestly, like this, this was, you know, like everything that you wanted, you got the opposite of what you thought you were going to get in this season. I will say that. Um, Well, for those that don't know me, I've said it on nerds on the couch and all that, that if I see Ryan Johnson, I'm going to punch him in the face. (laughs) You know, my wife has, has prepared a small bail fund. (laughs) <laughs> I am going to punch that guy in the face. I hate him that much. He needs to get a restraining order against me. You know, that's how much hate I have for the man. Noel Stevenson is rising up in the ranks, you know, up there to that. Because it's I, it's terrible. It's just horrible. I think for me, I am just seriously confused at how they already had this mapped out from the beginning, supposedly, and they couldn't look at their pacing and they couldn't look at their stories and go, maybe we shouldn't do an episode dedicated to all of the rebels having a mystery night, or maybe we shouldn't do the princess prom, or maybe we shouldn't do uh Seahawk and Bo getting captured and having that be like a musical adventure. And all. it's like, that's, it's like the peak of blue thing. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have gone there. I'm saying that episode just stood out to me as they needed another episode like that. And in this season, I didn't need that. I wanted, I wanted it to go just full force to the end, and I wanted answers. That and whole that's end again out. another disrespect. They disrespected the characters. Pika Blue never came out. Nope. Flutterina, they killed her off. Yeah, Flutterina gone. That's we right. We never I, saw any other Horde villains. The time to have Mantena, Grizzlor, you know these classic Horde villains. Modulux, especially Modulux, my favorite. Have them? No, she didn't. She just had no respect. She wanted to do her own story. This is how she got it done. She just slapped a Shira label on it. She would have done something else. And I guarantee you, it would have been the same stories, same formatting and everything. You know, and to me, that's disrespectful. She didn't care about the Shira name. You know, she just wanted to do her own thing. Well, the the thing about how this worked out to me is like, okay, the new uh, Revelation cartoon, the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is going to hit Netflix. Those are being headed by people like Rob David, who is integral to Mattel. And that to me is like, I'm going to feel those are going to be in the right direction and represent what I've loved about the brand all along, because those are people that actually understand it. Like we've seen... Through Eternity War, Rob David definitely has a passion for the brand and he wants to push it further than what we've been able to do it uh, since we were kids and stuff. So there's that element and it made me sad to go like, okay, 
Noel Stevenson was someone who she came in maybe with an idea of how to do a new version of this, but she did it in the way she wanted to do it for herself. And there was no one at Mattel with a guiding force going, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should do it this way. And I think that's kind of why we're having these issues with this now. It's like, you know, there there wasn't that person as as like their Kevin Feige in a sense. We had more of a Kathleen Kennedy in the case of Shira here in that in that way. <laughs> but in 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 the He-Man way, which unfortunately for Shira fans, in He-Man we got Rob David, who would be like the Kevin Feige, and also um uh, I can't really think of his name off the top of my head. The the guy at Netflix who's uh, he was at PowerCon all these years and all that stuff too. I cannot think of his. Name. Oh, I but, can't uh, either. But um, he was but, at there. He was there at the. Yeah, press he, he was he was there at the panel and stuff. And so you have those two guys as lightning rods of these people get it and they're heading these shows. But there wasn't that for Shira. We just it, it, she was kind of like off on her own with this creator that that's what she wanted to do with this brand. So uh, we're with the Revelation series. Uh, Kevin Smith has has said that uh, there could, we could get Shira in the second if there is a second season of the Revelation cartoon. That's where she would appear most likely, and that we could get a uh, He-Man Shira Christmas special out of it. And the, and so you know I'm sure that uh, that Shira would be. Uh, very close to the uh, the original Shira, since uh, the artistic style is is such that the Revelation characters they're they're going to be they they no one's going to be redesigned is what he said, and so I feel it's going to be very close to the filmation style. I I feel like that one definitely has the there's an integrity to that one. Rex, did you did you have anything last words on the Shira before you switch? D minus minus. Oh, you're too generous. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> this episode's character spotlight is on Shira, the princess of power, the most powerful woman in the universe. Her other names are Adora and Despara. Her special abilities include superhuman strength, healing, telepathic communication to animals and assorted magical abilities. Her affiliations are to the Great Rebellion and to the Princesses of Etheria. Her weaponry is the Sword of Protection. So what do you guys think about Shira? Sounds like we love her more than Noel <laughs> Stevenson does tonight. <laughs> I can't help it. It was there. It was You get the no. quote of the day, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember when I was a kid and it was in the newspapers they were gonna have uh, a sister for He-Man, and I, I remember my dad going, "What are you gonna call her? She woman?" Was you know he was giving me crap because it's he always. My dad came home all the time and asked how Skeletor won today and stuff like that. So he always loved to give me crap. And then when we found out about Shira and I saw Princess or uh, Secret of the Sword, I wasn't I wasn't like thrilled that there was this idea, but after I saw that, I'm like, "Yeah, it works. I think that's really cool." And I will say. Um, one of the filmation cartoon moments that always gets me misty-eyed is that first transformation she does to save He-Man. That moment is is such a powerful moment every time I watch it that I just there's something about it that just I I get a little misty-eyed and I'm like I just need a moment, okay? I just need one moment, you know? But love it. Uh, she she's a hell of a character now that she has the tenure and everything. Yeah, that is one of my favorite scenes. I have about 
75% of the cells that make up that big panorama. I've been nice. hunting them down. But really, Shira is a woman who comes from a checkered past with a lot of family problems, but overcomes all this problems that she's had to face and has to learn to adapt to new situations very quickly. She has to earn trust going from dark to light that even with the Nicole Stevens version, that theme was there, that it was from dark to light, that she is a born leader and is finding the compassion because going back to the secret of the sword, when we first see Adora, she's cold hearted. She doesn't care. So in episode four, when the sorceress first starts talking to her and she goes down to the plunder room, that's when she's realizing, I really don't know much about my past. I need to discover this past. Now I'm questioning everything I've been taught. And I discovered I have a family. I have people who love me and care for me. I think that's really the true heart of Shira. It doesn't matter her powers or the sword. It's the compassion and learning to love yourself and to allow others in. I I think her background makes her a compelling character in that way. And that's where I was thinking. I liked her. I think that's the one thing Noel Stevenson didn't quite grasp and that I wanted to see because my idea of She-Ra, of course, in filmation, Melanie Braid, of course, we had her on the show. Um, she always gave her a heart, empathy. I thought this whole thing was a journey that she would be the protector. And the uh, Infinity War comics, I think, nailed it on the head that that's her job. She is the protector. She is the shield. He-Man is the sword. She is the shield. You need one and the other, you know, to save the day. And she can do anything, but it's her who gives compassion and she who could show the better way. I wanted to see that in the new series, you know. I wanted to see eventually Shira come into her own and say, I'm here to protect the universe. I am the champion. You will not win the day because I am here. And we never got that. I wanted to see that. That's the the thing I wanted to see. I wanted to see her be the grand champion that I know she could. And I hope maybe in another iteration we see that. Because Filmation, again, we saw it in the documentaries. She wasn't allowed to really sword fight. She was allowed to maybe throw a flying kick that she did. She never threw a punch. but. She could have, you know, but she'd be the one who can, when she sword fights you, she would disarm you, you know, yep. or, or cut off your arm, you know, but she won't kill you. you know? yeah, the, but the thing, the, the Netflix version, she was always immature. Even when she became Shira, she always had this, like, she didn't have the maturity on filmation. There was always this, like, Adora was Adora, but the minute that Shira came into play, she had that tone in her voice where it was very much like there was an authority to her voice. There was um, strength to her voice. And then on top of that, there was a maturity she brought to the situation through her intellect and through her um, compassion, like you were saying. 
And that was a huge missing component on the news show. But that's that's part of who she should be. And and that offset all of that stuff from her past to make it that she's trying to do right by the people she's protecting, too. And that's an essential part of that character, no matter how you look at it. It brings up the question of what was She-Ra's purpose in the new show? Because Mara was a She-Ra, mm-hmm. and apparently there have been others before her. What do they do? Yeah. What, you know, He-Man has a purpose in the other ones. What does this one do? Well, that's the one thing. The new version was like a WMD. I mean, that was the whole point of her breaking the sword and everything was she realized they were going to use her in a bigger scheme to do, you know, to destroy stuff. And so she broke the sword and all that. And I I kind of viewed it as, okay, you know, that's her going on her own path. But yeah, all of the stuff that came with the character in filmation, not not existing here. And that's that's part of the problem in general with a lot of the newer stuff for kids. It's they're taking away a lot of what the heart of these, the heart and soul of these characters to us. They're not giving it to these kids now. Now it's sarcasm. Now it's we're going to we're going to be witty. We're going to have these quippy little things here and there, and that's going to be character. But in the end of the day, that's not character. That's just having little flourishes of funny. But what are you taking from this? That's a great point that you're making, to be honest, is what who is she on here versus and I, other than she doesn't know who she is. And finally, on the last few episodes, OK, now we get who she is. But we spent that much time not knowing who she is. So now we're the further adventure so we can finally have the Shira we've been waiting to see, you know, and we don't which, get it. <laughs> which throws it off because in the series they had it where we have the princesses and they all serve the planet. They all have a, a role in the planet. And mm-hmm. I thought Shira was the one who brings them together to save the world. You know, that's the formula. They had this, they established in the beginning in the new series that they had the princesses and all these princesses had a role, which to me, perfectly fine, made absolute sense. There's a power, each princess, because it was Shira and the princesses of power. Yeah. That made absolute sense. And to me, <laughs> Shira was the uniter. She was the leader of this. She didn't lead anything. No. No. Even at the end, I expected them to all come into their own power. Like they all become supercharged. Like Shira become, I guess, the Sailor Moon thing where no, say, you know, she yeah. upgrades it. She <laughs> upgrades her power. All the princesses upgrade their power. Like they all get armor and maybe weapons and all that. And they fight Hordak in this one big epic battle, but no. Well, I have to say that my favorite iteration of Shira still is uh, from the Eternity Wars Shira they did in the comics. How yeah. they did her as the spar, they gave her the whole story arc of her upbringing, her dark past. They really highlighted that really well, and then they gave her the power sword uh, protection. And there she was, Shira, and shows how she struggles to regain her humanity, regain that sense of protection of caring uh letting others in and then how she transitions from that to being he-man's sister truly uh wanting to protect him and everyone around i love that story the despair part was amazing that was one of my absolute favorite parts of it because i like that if hordak viewed her as like his gamora that's his favorite you know and she's going out there conquering using his face but it's his quote-unquote daughter doing it under his name 
that that's powerful. And that can you imagine how much that would mess with you to do that? And that's your life. And then all of a sudden this other chance comes up and you have to go on a whole different route with your life because you're not supposed to be that person. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said about that background that I would love to have a whole series where they delve into that more than they could even in the Eternity War stuff. Well, remember, Kelly, they were going to the DC Comics guy was there and they announced, I forgot, like a year ago or two years ago. Well, I guess three years. They were going to do a Shira Marvel. I mean, DC Comics walked into and stole Shira. Yeah, she gummed up the machine. They were. I mean, I would have rather had that. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Shira is not a hundred percent IP of Mattel. It's split between Mattel and Universal. When Shira was being developed, it was a joint effort between Filmation and Mattel. It wasn't solely Mattel. That's why going all the way back to '85, it was a joint, and with all the different owners of the. Filmation, currently it's NBC Universal. They hold the power on how she's portrayed in media, where Mattel holds the power for all products. Well, I think they did an amazing job with her in the classic line. I mean, we got to see Shira, she got uh, Bubble Power Shira, and as well as New Adventure Shira, which I didn't even know uh, she had one figure as New Adventure. No, she didn't. That was especially designed for the 30th anniversary of Shira. That's one of my favorite and figures in the line. Her and uh, well New designed. Adventure He-Man. Yeah, and I that agree was that amazing for me to cosplay her. I especially like her sword and her shield in that iteration. I mean, they're unique. I mean, it's similar to He-Man's sword from that iteration, but it's definitely unique. Okay. It'd be interesting to see, like, an Adora New Adventures classics figure. <laughs> well, I was never a big fan of how Adam looked, <laughs> you know, in the cartoon. <laughs> I mean, everybody's in space outfits and all that. He's in a toga and sandals. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind it actually. I thought it was it was uh, it was different. You know, I thought I know, know it's just okay, everybody was kind up. of in space outfits and he's in toga and sandals. It, 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 was in college years. <laughs> well, okay, it, it I had them. Ask, why does he have a ponytail? Well, he had braids, didn't he? He had two braids, like little pig, pigtails. When you yeah. add him, he had ponytails. He man. Well, the because ponytail was uh, the look of the day. OK, that's. You know, you got to understand something. That was the look. I mean, we're, we're all that age, but okay. I, <laughs> I'm going to admit it here. <laughs> I'm going to confess that at that time I had a ponytail too. Okay. So it was, the look. <laughs> yeah. it was the look to have a mullet was kind of the look at the time. Not Tiger King mullet, but kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's right. That every time we see a, uh, hair design or something like that. Yeah, that's that's all. You know, this show was made in the '90s, or that show was made in the '80s, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, the the thing about him and New Adventures that amused me was every time I I've seen I haven't watched much of New Adventures, but the little I've seen, it's almost like I expect them to look into the screen, like like break the fourth wall and go, "Have you heard about our Lord and Savior?" You know, like he's got that kind of Bible story look about him. And every time I see it, it's like I'm I'm waiting to hear about the Gospel of John or something. It's the weirdest thing to see that show. 
and and like take that seriously when Prince Adam was just this kind of lazy, happy-go-lucky, carefree prince up until that point, and then all of a sudden it's now it's Bible stories with Prince Adam. You know, it's it, it was it was it was an odd juxtaposition. But then again, everything in that show was odd because yeah, He Man and spandex and Skeletor with with uh, big bulgy eyeballs, and he he had the personality of a car salesman. So. <laughs> I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Remember to check out He-Man.org for your up-to-the-minute news on anything Masters of the Universe related and for updates on PowerCon exclusives. And until next time, good journey. I'm Renee. I'd like to invite you to watch uh, Nerds on the Couch on our Facebook page, up to the latest nerd news. And be sure to subscribe to Council of the First Ones on your favorite podcast. Thank you for listening. And good journey. And this is David Clark. I'd want to, you know, give you an invitation to uh, come and join us at adultcollector.org, a network of Facebook pages and groups celebrating everything we love about He-Man and She-Ra, and to check out the new Age of Wondar mini-comic series. Thank you and good journey. This is Master Rex. I would like to thank everyone for tuning into this episode of the Council of the First Ones. I wish everyone a good journey. And this is Sean. If you want to dig into the uh, stories and cartoons of Masters of the Universe with me, a buddy of mine and I have a, another podcast called Legends of Grayskull. And uh, you can check that out while you're in quarantine or the restrictions are relaxing at least. So until next time, good journey. Thanks for having me. This has been a Nerds on the Couch production in association with adultcollector.org.